0: Hello and welcome to Drinking Well, a podcast by Berry Brothers and Rudd with me, Hannah Crosby. For the first six episodes of this podcast, we'll be delving into the world's most important fine wine regions. We'll be talking to our buyers and account managers as they share their insights and tips to help you enjoy and build your fine wine collection in 2022. For this week's episode, I'll be sitting down with buyer Davy Shiv and senior fine wine account manager Chris Pollington to explore Italy, a region that should be on any wine lover's radar. So grab a glass of something good as we dive into the pleasures of Italian wine. Davy, let's start by introducing you to our listeners and telling us about exactly what it is that you do.
1: Hello, Hannah. My name is Davy Giv, and I am got the fortunate position of being a senior wine buyer at Berry Brothers and Rudd. I've been here for four years now um, but I've come from an experience of wine buying and, and sommelier uh, background working in, in restaurants. I am custodian of the Italian wine range amongst other regions uh, for, for Berry Brothers and uh, with great pride and pleasure um, I am responsible for buying and selecting our Italian wine range and introducing the wines to our customers.
0: Amazing, a very enviable job for sure. And Chris, as well as a self-confessed italophile, can you tell us a bit more about your role at Berry Brothers and how you help our customers to build their perfect sellers?
2: Certainly, I'm a senior account manager. Um, I've been with uh, Berry Brothers and Rudd for about 23, 24 years now, Whoa. so quite a quite a long time. And I've been in my current role well, as, uh, as an account manager Um, for the last 15 years Um, and during that time I've helped a lot of people build wine collections has to be said the vast majority of the the wines that Berry Brothers and Rudd sell have traditionally been French but as Mm -hmm. time has moved on Italy has become certainly the second most important of those and, and and for many of our customers a real rival to to the great wines of France so I assist people in in building cellars and uh, for, for them to, to drink and possibly to keep and maybe even sell on if they end up with too much wine, which does happen to one or two people.
0: <laughs> it's a good problem to have. Yeah, let's start by exploring this um, growing interest in Italian wine. Davy, do you remember the first bottle of Italian wine you drank that gave you that Eureka or Epiphany moment?
1: Lucky for me, I have uh, my love of Italy actually comes from my f- uh, family who are based in, in Tuscany. And then we have, a, mm. we have an olive farm there, and we're next door to a few very famous wineries. So wine was always on the table when we used to visit as kids, and then, of course, when we used to bring some back uh, for home consumption uh, back in the UK. So it was the wines of Gratamaco uh, in the region of Bolgheri, which is uh, a, a, what customers may know as a super Tuscan. So This was my first eureka moment uh, for Italian Reds uh, from Podere Gratamaco, which was, um, vintage, again, I tasted the vintage of the early 90s when I must have been around 15 or 16. And that, very, that was a, gave me um, a real passion and admiration for uh, the wines of, of the region with such incredible fruit, minerality, perfume, and expression that the bottles stayed with me throughout my career
0: and Chris how about you was there a wine that made you fall in love with Italian wine and spark this lifelong passion
2: like Davy it's 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 difficult it's such a, it's lost, lost in the mist of time for me um but um mm-hmm. I first started studying wine when I was at catering college back in the mid 80s and I, I immediately found Italian wine the most fascinating subject because there's such a myriad of of different flavors and different styles and just fascinating wines in in general. I, I worked in catering for a few years and I remember when I was working as an assistant catering manager in the city I got the opportunity to to taste both 85 Quinonello and a 1972 Chianti Classico Reserva from Badia Colta both of which were absolutely amazing and were were part of the catalyst for taking me out of catering and putting me into the wine trade.
0: Oh, brilliant. So as you were saying Davey, Italian wine is becoming a cornerstone to any wine lover's cellar. What are the key styles that every collector should have in their cellar?
1: To approach Italy though, I think our customers and some we we found Looking at our, uh, I suppose, the consumer habits of our customers in the last few years, uh, we've been looking to champion two regions a little bit more fully than than, than others, one of which is Piemonte, um, mm-hmm. and the other is Brunello, which is in the south of Tuscany. And I think for customers looking to introduce themselves into the fine wines of, of Italy, to look at Piemonte and the wines of Barolo and Barbaresco, um, made from the Nebbiolo grape, and then Brunello in the south of Tuscany are two regions which are a, are a brilliant way to start.
0: Are there any vintages that you think people should specifically be looking out for?
1: Most definitely. I think across I mean across Italy, the 2016 vintage has been an absolute triumph and career-defining for many uh, producers, both in uh, the Piemonte and Borolo wines, but also in Brunello. The 16 vintage is a vintage which has so much richness of fruit paired with vivid acidity and great structure so these wines are drinking beautifully now but will last They um will last and have got incredible longevity um as well although this year we've got a few very exciting releases um which are 2017 uh brunello um which is a vintage which like a lot of europe saw a lot of heat and a lot of um a lot of generosity and that translates into wines which have got a great approachability um, and drinkability um, on release, and also the 2018 vintage of Borolo, which we'll, we'll, we'll release uh, in a few months' time, uh, which has incredible elegance, freshness, and really expressive um, styles, which we're really looking forward to introducing to our customers
0: that sounds absolutely amazing thank you so much davy and chris are there any wine styles that davy perhaps didn't mention that you think should also be on a wine lovers radar uh
2: yes uh, certainly um barbaresco is a is a region which is quite often overlooked in um, in favor of barolo but there are some fantastic wines from barbaresco as well uh, they they released their wines uh around a year earlier than than Barolo. They're made from the same great variety in the same area, just literally across the... uh uh, across the Lange Valley from, from Barolo. Very, very similar in style and often very, very good value for from, from money.
0: Brilliant. And are there any vintages from that region that we should be looking out for?
2: Uh, certainly. I think the, the, the new vintage uh, will be 2019 for this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a fantastic vintage for Italy in general and uh, a really good one in Barbaresco. So that's definitely one to look out for. Mm-hmm. And then looking back at past vintages, if somebody's able to pick up 16s or 17s at reasonable prices, then they're, they're very much worth having as well in your cellar.
0: And Davey, a huge part of your job is being able to taste and experience so many amazing wines every single day. Um, could you tell us about the last great bottle of Italian wine you drank?
1: I hadn't planned this, um, <laughs> specifically, but I had an absolutely <laughs> incredible bottle last night. Um, Curtis, oh, really? Oh, <laughs> well, just for us. One of, my, one of my good friends who brought out a bottle of uh, Sasekaya, a Tonuto Sanguido sasekaya 1999. This is uh, a world famous wine and it's put at the region of Bogri on the map. Um, this, the wines of Sasekaya are, are made with uh, international varieties or French varieties, Cabaret, Merlot, Specifically, and it, is, um, it was an absolutely incredible example of the, the richness and style of Sassicaia and an expression of, of the wines of the area of Bogri as well. Sassicaia is an incredibly important wine for, um, for I suppose, the region of Bogri, but also as a sort of a, as a halo effect of a lot of the fine wines of Tuscany and, and Italy in general. So it was an absolutely incredible bottle which I need to send a a large thank you note uh, to my friend for opening it last night.
0: Well, you can shout him out on this podcast.
1: Daniel Ellswood, thank you very much for your generosity and that (laughs) wonderful
2: bottle we had last night.
0: Amazing. Chris, what about you? Can you tell us about the last great bottle of Italian wine that you drank?
2: Uh, I was very fortunate to um, uh, go to a tasting hosted by uh, the great Brunello di Montalcino, producer Biondi Santi. Uh, at the end of last year, um, where not only was I lucky enough to try the the, the new upcoming releases, the twenty eighteen Rosso di Montalcino, the twenty sixteen Brunello di Montalcino, and the twenty fifteen Brunello di Montalcino Reserva, but they also very very kindly bought a bottle of the nineteen eighty five. Brunello di Montalcino Reserva La Storica, which they reserve for the very, very finest wines from the the greatest of vintages, and it was it was quite stu- quite stunning. My uh, my tasting notes are usually half a dozen lines long, but this one goes on for a couple of pages. Apparently. Oh, It's <laughs> just like the the depth and complexity was 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 just astonishing. It was just amazing to try a wine of that sort of calibre um, from one of the greatest vintages in history um that's one of the great joys of Italian wine there are some of those wines that just they they, they when you when you taste them they they, they stop everything
0: let's move on to your work as a fine wine account manager what current trends are you seeing among your private clients and the wider fine wine market when it comes to italian wine
2: there's a a greater interest in italian wine in general mm. i think for a lot of people to start with this is with tuscany and particularly for the the bordeaux drinkers with the super tuscans as davy mentioned mm. they tend to be based on cabernet Sauvignon Cabernet Franc, sometimes Merlot. Sometimes they can be also 100% Sangiovese, and that may be the first time that drinkers of, of Bordeaux and Burgundy really encounter Italian wines. And then they can they can see what the the kind of depth and the interesting flavors that um, these wines represent. So Tuscany is quite often the first port of call for the uh, for the fine wine customer. And then after a while, as they get into Burgundy, they realise that the, the sort of depth and complexity that you can find in, in Great Burgundy can also be found in right. Piedmont and uh, with the great wines of Borrello and Barbaresco from the Nebbiolo great variety um, in a very similar style and often at uh, cheaper prices. So um, there is definitely a trend towards people putting more Tuscan wines and more Piedmont, Piedmontese wines. In their cellars.
0: Amazing and Davy what is it about those regions that you love?
2: I was taken up um, to the top of Brico di Viole,
1: which is one of the highest uh, most um, highest vineyards in the Barolo region by uh, a friend and winemaker Giuseppe Vagra who makes incredible wines uh, with his, his family vineyards and from this viewpoint uh, which is one of, the, one of the highest vineyards in the area you get a feel about what makes the Barolo and Barbaresco region so special? And that is because of the complexity of soils there. When the landmass broke off from Africa, of which was Italy, and smashed into Europe, it created the Alps, in the same way the Himalayas uh, above, above India. With this incredible intensity and tectonic shift, it exposed some of the most ancient soils in, in the planet, um, oh. on the planet Earth. And this is one of the reasons why we have such complexity and expression and diversity of the wines of Barolo and it's because it's fundamentally because of these exposed ancient soils. And when you visit um, or stand uh, in one of these viewpoints in Barolo, like I did with Giuseppe and Brico di Viola, you get, you get a feeling for that because you, can, you have this backdrop of Alps surrounding you and you look down across the different hilltop villages and towns and different spines because the net, the different exposures, aspects, altitudes across um, the Barolo region, going from La Mora, the town of Barolo, Castelloni Fileto, Cerro uh, Lunga d'Alba, Alba, where our friend uh, Davide Rosso makes um, our BOS Barolo for us. You, you, can, you can you can see w- w- with your eyes that, that how the soils change and with it, the, the, the styles of wines that they produce are within the region. Nebbiolo, the grape, is so capricious and awkward to grow, but it's got this rare ability, just like Pinot Noir does, to soak up and translate all these different vineyard details from where, from where it's grown. And this really is what I love about Barolo and, and Barbaresco. It's Nebbiolo, the vehicle to translate and give customers a taste of those individual vineyards and, and winemaking practices.
0: Davey, are there any producers, um, old or new and upcoming, that you're particularly excited about at the moment?
1: Oh boy, this, uh, this is a again, difficult question. because There's so much excitement um, in Italy right now. Um, and a lot of producers who are really f- realising uh, the quality potential of their uh, of their winemaking skills and, and their teoqa. Just to pull out one in each in each region, if we're looking at uh, Brunello, mm-hmm. uh, I'm absolutely Wonderful producer we've worked with for a few years now um, is Podere Scopetone, um, mm-hmm. and this is a, a, a small family outfit who are just nestled under the historic ramparts of the of, of um facing the n- northeast, so facing directly towards Siena, which you can see on a on a clear day. And because of the altitude they're at, they're about four hundred and fifty meters high. They're facing north northwest. Um, they've got. Uh, incredible cool winds which, which sort of shield them from a lot of the heat, which in a vintage like 2017 uh, provided them with um, a lot more definition and freshness in the wines. So Petelli I think they're um, a producer that we all need to make sure that we try and fill our cellars with. Not only that, they're actually the producer who have of the most historic and interesting vineyards in the whole of Montuccino. When Finocchio Bionisanti, who is uh, credited to invent the region of uh, Brunello, the the wine region of Brunello, arrived in Montuccino in the 1800s, he decided to, he was looking for a vineyard to plant the the original Brunello vineyard. So he had a lot of access to vineyards and land all over the region, but he decided the vineyard with the best quality potential was just under at the northwest ramparts of the town of Montecino and it's where the Scopetoni vines um, now sit. So it's got incredible h- history and story, uh, dating back to the origins of the wine region itself. Looking at further north up to Borolo, the wines are really coming to their own now, and there's a lot of interesting trends uh, that are emerging through uh, through the region and the wines been produced there. But a producer I'd like to highlight is. Um, Maroveglio. Maroveglio uh, is the name of the, the current owner but it's his nephew Alessandro um, who's now taking the reins of, of, the, of the of the family winery and he is changing the direction and style of the wines his family have historically produced favoring a different oak regime using large, larger botte and separating out some of the single vineyards that the family have access to. An incredible producer who are, are, wines are getting better and better And the 2018 vintage, which we'll be selling in a few months' time, it's going to be very um, defining for um, for his wine style and name, I think, in the future.
0: Amazing. I can't wait to try wines from those producers that you just mentioned. Now, let's move on to the question that we all want the answer to. What Italian vintages should we be drinking and opening in 2022? Chris, let's start with you. What bottles from your own cellar will you be opening this year?
2: I might start looking at the the great 2010 vintage, both from mm-hmm. from Tuscany and from from Piedmont. It's a great classic vintage, and the wines will last forever. But um, my 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 patience is probably getting the better getting the better of me, and mm-hmm. or my, my lack of patience, rather, is probably getting the better of me. I'm dying to know what some of the 2010 Barolo and 2010 Brunello di Montalcino that I've got in my uh, my cellar is. Is, is light now because I think they, they they should be be beginning to show really really well.
0: Wonderful. And what about you, Davy?
1: Tricky question, but I, I've recently been doing studious research about the wines in my cellar, and I've actually recently opened Barolo from two and Barbaresco from 2011. Now this is a vintage which didn't receive the the higher claim of the the epic 2010 or some of the, the some of the uh, five star vintages which preceded it. But the wines have incredible um, openness and freshness and are drinking absolutely wonderfully now. Um, So 2011 um, is a vintage, which, yeah, didn't make the headlines. But actually, if you're lucky enough to collect or buy some of the 2011s, I think they will be drinking absolutely beautifully now.
0: Davey, what do you find most exciting about Italian wine right now?
1: Boy, what a question. Um, (laughs) The most the exciting thing I find about Italian wine is really, uh, it's it's happening in, in the vineyards and the winery. You know, there's a few historical regions in Italy, which we all know, we, we all know, we've discussed them uh, today with you, know, Barolo, Barbaresco, Brunello. But there's a young generation now who are taking on from their uh, their parents, their uncles, their families, who are realizing the great terroir which which they're sitting on. So I think there's been a stylistic shift. Generally, you can see across, much of the wine world but i I see it really strongly in italy and that this is the winemakers um they're looking at to best express the the land that they farm best express the uh the the vineyards that they are custodians for so i think there's a there's a shift about looking at uh, more purity in the wines and better defined of and, and with more of a sense of place and I think from a recent trip I took to Barolo just before Christmas, um, this was a real, a real takeaway from me because the, the wines are becoming more expressive and, and more defined uh, and more individual to, to where they're from.
0: Amazing. So we've talked about vintages coming up this year that we need to look out for. Let's talk about vintage variation for a sec. What are the climactic variations that make those brilliant vintages truly brilliant? Davy, are these changing due to climate change and what challenges are winemakers currently experiencing?
1: I think, you know, the, the winemakers, you know, the, the, these people who are, they're farmers, they're in their they, they work in agriculture, they work outside in the vines every day. So these people are on the front line and they, they've got better exposure uh, and understanding of climate change um, than, than, than anyone. Variation vintage to vintage, of course, is a, a beautiful thing because every year the, the wine styles change and the, the, the winemakers need to adapt practices to best express their, uh, their philosophy and, and the, the wine from their vineyards. Obviously, with global warming, climate change, uh, this uh, this has thrown new challenges um, at winemakers. Um, and they've had to adapt and use all their winemaking toolkit to make sure that they keep producing the best quality um, they can. If you look at the 2017, for instance, in Borolo, in Langame and Barbaresco, this was a very hot, dry year. One of the hottest on record, but also one of the driest, and so this this gave winemakers new challenges in their vineyards to retain freshness. But luckily for us, this isn't the, this wasn't the first hot, dry year. Looking back to 2003, which was a hot year across all of all of Europe, and very famously so. This really this this was a real challenge for a lot of winemakers because they weren't they didn't know how to adapt, they didn't know how to manage this heat, this this, this drought, but. That was a long time ago. Now, and producers learn every year about what how best to handle their vines and the wine that comes into their winery. So, sort Nivins, of like twenty seventeen, they had to um, they had to do things like allow the canopy of their vines to grow extra thick, which aid, which um, shielded uh, the grapes from sunburn and allowed more more shade of the grapes. Um, they had to encourage um, the root system in the vines to. Or go even deeper into the subsoil to get any moisture or water. The deeper the roots go, the more minerality and expression they get from the vineyards themselves. So it's this encouraged quality. And in wine regions, you look at Barolo, um, for instance. You know, historically, these wines have been made to last a long time because uh, they they need time in bottle to soften and and round. Uh, because of because it comes from a marginal climate. Historically. a cool region so the acidities are high the tannins are aggressive and this made with this in mind winemakers were had always tried to encourage ripeness and maturity of the vines come august september and to harvest in october in 2017 for instance they did everything they could to to slow maturity to slow ripening um so that idea got flipped on its head but, but with it, the 2017 Vintage offers incredible, beautiful wines, full of expression. They do carry that hallmark heat. They do have that generosity and ripeness of fruit. Um, but they've maintained
2: lovely freshness and
1: purity as well.
0: Chris, how would someone exactly go about starting a cellar with us?
2: Uh, well, it's very easy. You can look out for the new releases um, coming to you from from one of the one of the account managers or alternatively you can go onto our website and see what we have there's a fantastic range of italian wines on there uh, lots of wines from piedmont and from tuscany but also wines from further afield um like the the veneto and uh Jibruzzi there's some great wines throughout um i thoroughly recommend everything that's on there obviously the wines are the wines are all great but if you want some some structure to the cellar maybe some wines from from Chianti Classico some wines from Montalcino some Brunello di Montalcino some Barolo some Barbaresco and then for everyday drinking Rosso di Montalcino the kind of small brother of uh, of Brunello di Montalcino and the Lange Nebbiolo is a great way to, to get into these wines and uh, and discover what they're like. And the good thing about Wasso di Montalcino and, and Langhi Nebbiolo is that you can drink them straight away. You don't need to age those at all. And then they're perfect to drink while you're waiting for your Brunello or your Barolo or your Barbaresco to age. And then they're ideal to drink when they're 6 or 7, 20, 30 years old. So huge drinking windows on on, on the greatest wines in Italy.
0: And Chris, if you are the impatient type who, say, doesn't want to wait 20, 30 years or can't wait to open those amazing age-worthy bottles of wine, is there a way that you can backfill your cellar to keep your palate satisfied until then?
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, our BBX system has a huge range of mature wines where people who've been laying down wine f- with us for um 10 20 years have some older vintages in their cellars which for one reason or another they're they're not going to drink and they offer for sale on our bbx system so there are some really great buyers to be had and you can pick up mature vintages like the 2010s and 2011s that davy and i were talking about before and even even some older vintages than that and uh, a lot of people have been been doing that
0: well we're almost out of time we've already covered so many amazing insights on italian wine but we've just got time for one more question let's start with you chris if i had to push you for just one thing i should take away from our conversation today whether that be a wine to try or a producer to follow what would it be
2: oh that's a good that's a good question there are so there are so many wonderful wines to to look at i th- i think it probably has to be piedmont um, it's such an exciting region, and there's so many great wines coming coming through. Producer that we've been working with for a number of years, I think, has some fantastically exciting wines, and that's Davide Rosso at Giovanni Rosso. It, he's also the maker of our of our house Barolo. We still have good stocks of the 2016 vintage, which he he made for us, which is just an absolutely stunning wine and a, a real bargain, a great introduction for to um, Nebbiolo for people who don't know the know the wine and then from from there onwards you can explore the rest of his range through his um Cerro Lunga Barolo for more everyday drinking right through to his Cruz, Cerretta and Serra, both of which are are stunning wines which which last for decades
0: and how about you Davy? Let's finish on you
2: in general I'd urge
1: everyone to explore and drink more Italian wine, but if there's going to be one producer to take away from. I'm going to, um, I totally agree with Chris, but uh, the wines of Davide Rosso of Sera are absolutely out of this world and age beautifully. Uh, back to Tuscany, back to Brunello, and there's a producer called Fattoria La Maggia, who we've been working with for a few years now. And they are based in this incredible hallowed site just above the UNESCO World Heritage Site of um, Sant'Antimo. Abbey, um, looking at uh, across from them is the, is the extinct volcano of Mount Amiata. And they sit on some incredible uh, terroir with different um, fossils, fossil-filled soils, sand, um, and galestro, so limestone clay. And they produce brunellos with incredible expression, perfume, perfume. And, and richness, and, and that's producer, I'd urge everyone to look out for.
0: Brilliant. Well, all that remains for me to say is, Chris, Davey, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy days to discuss Italian wine with me. Thanks,
2: Hannah. Grazie, Hannah.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Drinking Well, a podcast by Barry Brothers and Rudd. If you'd like to hear more episodes or you're keen to learn more about fine wine from our experts, visit bbr.com forward slash podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode or you've been enjoying the podcast in general, do leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. We hope to welcome you back soon, but until then, thank you again for listening to this episode of Drinking Well.